and that's one of the reasons that led me out of homosexuality because everything that homosexuality was supposed to promise it didn't fulfill and i realized at the end of it i am never going to find what i'm looking for because god didn't create me to find it in this manner he's going to have to meet my needs some way other than what i think is best for me hi everyone this is joseph welcome back to overflow five minute podcast on how your walk with Christ can overflow into the lives of your non-Christian friends. And the ideas come from the best books on evangelism in the world. Well, recently we posted a show called Homosexuals and the Gospel. Many of you have listened to it already. That episode was based on a book called God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door by Alan Chambers. But we still felt like we could learn a lot more from him. So we decided to catch a jet over to Central Florida and catch him in his office for an interview. Alan directs a ministry to gays and lesbians called Exodus International, and I got to speak to him recently at Exodus. Randy, what's one... (laughs) Randy, Alan, (laughs) I saw him coming in the door. Alan, what's one um, objection that comes to mind as a gay and lesbian friend that I might have would anticipate uh, becoming a person of faith or uh, beginning to follow uh, Jesus Christ, considering making a decision like that? I think probably the most common um, thing that they would have trouble with is thinking that they could attain or be acceptable um, to Christians, uh, but also to God. You know, we as Christians represent Christ's heart. And so they look at the church and they say, well, these people want me to be straight. That's impossible. Therefore, I can't be one of them. I don't want to go to their churches. Um, they're hypocritical. Um, they have a higher standard for me than they might for other people. And I'm never going to be as good as, as they want me to be. And I think that's probably the most common objection someone might have. What is a way that I, as a Christian, can help meet a person halfway or alleviate that objection or either the church as a body. Love to hear any ideas you have on how we can do better. Well, I think a couple of things. Number one, we can be less hypocritical. We can be more vulnerable and more transparent as Christians. I think when I was meeting with teenagers who were struggling with homosexuality, I was a pastor um, at a large church, and every day I met with teenagers. And I used to tell those teenagers, never trust someone that doesn't walk with a limp. And the truth is we as Christians don't often walk with a limp. We pretend that we don't have a limp. We pretend that we don't have a story, that it's always been good, that it's we've always been perfect. And if we don't pretend that, we certainly aren't willing to share that we've been somewhere ourselves. And so I think that's one of the first things that we in the church and Christians can do is to be honest, to be vulnerable, to be transparent and say, you know what, I may not understand your sin struggle, but I have my own and this is how I deal with it. So you're welcome to come in here because we all struggle with something. I think that's that's probably the biggest thing. The second thing is that we quit hijacking the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, um, 17, which says, um, those who are in Christ are a new creation, the old is gone and the, and the new has come. Stop hijacking that verse to mean come to Jesus and it's all better. We need to start telling people that you come to Jesus and that's just the beginning, that it gets better over the course of your lifetime, not immediately, that we're always going to struggle with something. Therefore, protect, perfection isn't attainable for me and it's not going to be something I expect from you. We're going to do this thing called life together. Does a story come to mind of a person that you minister to or either um, a fellow pastor and seeker that you observed where um, 
that was seen, that idea of walking with a limp was caught by the other person and it, and it really helped them. I, I watch that every day. I watch it in certain churches every day. And, and the awesome thing in my position is we hear from hundreds of thousands of people every year, those who are hurting and those who are calling to share, hey, this is the story um, that I've been a part of. This is what I'm walking through. And so we see people all the time who are going to churches where the pastor and the congregation and the people envelop them and say, you know what, we're um, living proof that freedom from whatever it is you struggle with is possible, and we're going to do this together um, through life. And for me, that was my experience. I went to a church called Discovery Church. It's right here in Orlando, Florida. In 1992, when I was in the midst and at the beginning, really, of my struggle to come out of homosexuality, and that church did that for me. They said, hey, we know what you struggle with. We're no better. We may not understand your specific sin, but we're going to do this with you. And you just pick yourself up, no matter where you're at, on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday evening or any other time you want to come here, pick yourself up and get yourself here, or call us and we'll come get you. No matter what, no questions asked, doesn't matter where you've come from or where you're going to go, um, we just want you to be here with us and we'll do this with you. And that church saved my life and I would not be here today if it wasn't for them. And so when I think of churches and the model for churches, that's it. We're talking with author Alan Chambers. Yeah, sign me up. I mean, that sounds like a great such an inviting style for a fellowship to have. For any type of non-believer, I think that would have appealed to me a lot as a college senior when I was really seeking Christ, and why aren't our churches more like that on a regular basis? And let me ask you this, how can I as an individual uh, portray that uh, flavor so that uh, a gay and lesbian friend that I would have would um, would feel more drawn to uh, want to have a friendship with a Christian when Clearly, there are a lot of barriers that might exist, you know, with preconceptions and things like that. Well, the way it looks for me is, you know, as a Christian, even before I was in ministry, I'm doing what I'm doing. Walking with a limp looked like letting everybody know that I had the ability to come in contact with, that, hey, this is my story. I'm, I'm not perfect. Um, this is where I came from, and this is where I'm at, and I choose to seek the Lord and obey Him on a daily basis, and you can too, and we'll do this together. And I, I think it looks like my pastor who shares regularly that he's human. It looks like the average everyday Christian who comes in um, and sits in, in the pew or in their chair, that they're just a normal person, that though they're a Christian doesn't mean that they don't struggle with, with sinful conditions anymore or temptations anymore. I think it just looks like the church being the church, being transparent and open and honest and saying, hey, this is us, and we don't want you to, to stay away no matter what you're doing. We want you to come in here. If you're um, a hooker and you get off work at uh, 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, come to church. Come in what you wore. Uh, out on the street. If you're a drug addict and you spent the, the night in the gutter, come to church on Sunday morning. I think that's what it looks like, is us saying, come as you are, because that's how we came, whether it was clean or dirty. Uh, come as you are, and we'll show you that we're authentic, that we're real, that we're transparent, that we're not perfect, but we're forgiven. And we're walking in this thing daily together with Christ and with one another, and we'll help you do the same thing. You're listening to Overflow today, and we're talking to author Alan Chambers. His book, God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door, 
from Harvest House Publishers. Ellen, that's a great general flavor for a church to have, for an individual to have. Could you speak to maybe a few of the more specific objections that that a gay or lesbian friend might have as they ponder becoming a Christian or even coming to church or anything like that? Maybe mention one that would be more prominent. I hear from my gay and lesbian friends all the time, I don't want to come to church because of your politics. You know, I, I don't want to be a part of the Republican Party. I don't want to get involved in your political campaigns. That's not the main issue. The main issue is Christ died for all of us or he died for none of us. You need to be in a, a fellowship with other believers. Your homosexuality is not most important to the church. It shouldn't be most important to the church. It certainly isn't most important to God. What's most important to the Lord is your heart. And let's get beyond all of those other things, um, our differences in, in policy, our difference in politics, our differences on social and moral issues, and just get to the place where we understand that we all need a Savior and find a place where you can fit in and deal with those issues first. We'll deal with all the other stuff later. I hear that all the time. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of that church because they're just part of the right wing conspiracy. We're talking to author Alan Chambers here on the Overflow Show today. His book, God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door. What about when it is finally time to present our gay or lesbian friend with the gospel and with lifestyle issues? What's a great way to to do that? What is a way that what flavor should that have, or what should that be bathed in to to have the most chance at uh, representing the gospel accurately uh, in a way that our gay or lesbian friend would uh, would feel uh, the love of Jesus through it, but would also feel the conviction that all uh, pre Christ people need to need to feel. Nine times out of ten, your gay or lesbian friend is going to understand that you're coming from a, a conservative perspective a conservative biblical perspective that that you believe or the church you're a part of believes or the majority of Christians believe that homosexuality is a sin. However, you know, I I think at first, if that's not something that comes up, I don't think it has to come up immediately. I think, again, we're dealing with heart issues and God wants someone's heart more than he wants their homosexuality. Only when he has their heart is it time to deal with other issues, peripheral issues, sexual issues, you name it. So I, I think you skip those things to begin with. If they come up, great. If if it's just a, a part of the conversation already, great. I don't think you should sidestep them. But at the same time, the most important thing is that someone has a relationship with Jesus Christ because straight people go to hell too. And so I, I think we deal with first things first. And when it's time, I think the Holy Spirit will bring that up. You know, my friend Randy Thomas, who's in a a couple offices down from ours. When he first became a Christian, he was gay. He was involved in homosexuality and happily involved in homosexuality for two years after he became a Christian and was at a Bible-believing conservative church. The Lord hadn't convicted him of his sexuality at that point. Two years into it, he began to, and Randy began to ask questions. And I think what made a huge difference in Randy's life and so many other people that I've talked to who have had the same experience or similar experiences is that they were so grateful to be in a place that believed the truth and yet didn't force the truth down their throat, waited for the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit, realized that they as Christians could not be the Holy Spirit. 
um, unless unless the Holy Spirit prompted them to say something, um, which they didn't. So I, I think we have to really pray hard when we are friends of someone who is lost or um, struggling or not quite to the same set of biblical convictions um, that we are, that we pray really hard. Lord, when is it the best time for us to to say this thing? Are you even calling me to be the person to say this? And sometimes he's not. Sometimes it's going to come through someone else or through a message or through a, a song or whatever. And I think we as Christians, um, we as evangelists, um, lay evangelists or professional ones, need to really pray hard about what it is the Lord is telling us to do in a specific situation, because he may not be calling us to do that at all. He may ask us to lead someone to the Lord, and that's end. That's the end for us. Um, so I think we pray hard and we trust that he's God in every situation. You're listening to Overflow Today, and we're talking to author Alan Chambers. His book, God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door. Is there another uh, objection or preconception or barrier that comes to mind that would be helpful for you to speak to that a gay and lesbian friend might have in mind as they uh, would anticipate or either tell themselves, I'm not anticipating or considering becoming a Christian? I would love to hear another objection or barrier that might come to mind. Uh, The biggest obstacle that I see all the time is, you know, really here are these people who maybe have begged pastors or Christians to understand them. Maybe they've been a part of the church and they've run from the church bloodied and bruised because all they heard was a condemning word. Those are the majority of the stories, and I hear thousands every single year from people who are desperate for something but too afraid to come to the church because they've been beaten there before and aren't too ready to come back and be beaten again. I think that's the biggest thing. We've got to come to the place as the body of Christ where we realize we don't have it all together uh, and, and we don't have to have it all together. And these people are simply in need of the God that saved us, the the Christ um, that we know. And so when we share that with them, um, I I think we have to do so in a really compassionate and a contrite manner. And oftentimes I think we're going to have to apologize, maybe on behalf of ourselves, maybe on behalf of the body of Christ as a whole. When I speak publicly and I am teaching the church and and as a part of the teaching and being the teacher, I'm teaching myself every day um, how to better serve people who are lost. But when I'm talking about these things, I often have the people repent on behalf of the body of Christ for the damage that we've done to people who are seekers or the people who have been a part of our churches who have been hurt by us, uh, received the left foot of fellowship, um, so to speak. And we've got to do a better job than we've done in the past. And we're all a part of it. What one of us does right, we all do right. What one of us does wrong, we all do wrong. So I, I think those are some obstacles, and that's probably the biggest one. You're listening to Overflow Today, and we're talking to author Alan Chambers. One issue I wanted to ask you about, in your book, God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door, there is a statement made, and actually probably a few pages written on uh, this thought, that homosexuality is not about sexual preference, it's about uh, 
a wrong reaction to a legitimate need, which is love from the same-sex parent. Could you just speak a little bit about that so that listeners can better understand what that's all about? I think one of the most common misconceptions that we have is that homosexuality is all about sex. It's about these people who just want to have sex with someone of their same gender, which is is partially true. Um, But at the core of it, it's about unmet needs. It's an illegitimate way to meet legitimate needs. God created us all um, with a a need to be loved, affirmed, accepted uh, by our same-sex parent, to have camaraderie with members of our same sex, to um, leave that time where we're modeled sameness and uniqueness from our same-sex parent into a time of camaraderie with our peers, where we develop strong um, same-sex peer relationships. On the heels of that comes puberty, where we come a, we become attracted to the object of our curiosity. We become attracted to what's different from us. Well, those who experience same-sex attractions, for the most part, have had a breach somewhere in those early years, whether it's a, a breach with their same-sex parent or their peer relationships, most often their same-sex parent, through death, divorce, um, lack of relationship, um, misunderstanding the fact that we live in a, a culture where dads don't know how to be dads, you name it, whatever it is that's been breached. You know, guys and girls who struggle with, with these issues have somehow seen something not go right in in those relationships early on. So they come into puberty attracted to what is different from them. For me, going into puberty, um, I had a terrible relationship with my dad. I had a terrible non-existent relationship with my same-sex peers. So I went into puberty attracted to what was different from me. And what was different from me were other guys. They weren't like me. I didn't understand them. I didn't know how to be one of them. I desperately longed Um, to be in relationship with them somehow. God created me to be in relationship with them. And so the only way that I knew how to be in relationship with them was to fantasize about them, which first was just a physical thing, and then it became sexual and emotional. And all of those things combined led me into a struggle, a very strong struggle with same-sex attractions. Sex for me was just the means to an end. And I was really longing for that relationship, that camaraderie, that that thing that God created me to have. And sex was just the only way I knew how to meet it. If I could fantasize sexually or be involved sexually with the stereotypical ideal of a man, maybe that would make me better. Maybe that meant um, the only relationship that I would ever know. And it worked some but it didn't meet that core need. And that's one of the reasons that led me out of homosexuality because everything that homosexuality was supposed to promise, it didn't fulfill. And I realized at the end of it, I am never going to find what I'm looking for because God didn't create me to find it in this manner. He's gonna have to meet my needs some way other than what I think is best for me. And I quickly realized that what I thought was best really wasn't. there was something much better, and I live in that reality today. If I'm going back to my student group next week or to my small group Bible study at my church next week, and you were to say, Joseph, here are three or four one-liners. Here's a couple of baby steps. Tell your friends if they have a gay and lesbian friend in their surroundings, which they do, but let's say if they're aware that they do. Here here are a couple of one-liners. Keep this in mind. Here are some baby steps. Go try this. 
first baby step developer relationship, people don't respond well to drive-by advice. And I think we in the church have been guilty of giving drive-by advice. You're, you're in sin. Get right or get left. Lay it at the altar. Pray more. Uh, read your Bible more. Do this. Do that. People don't need a bunch of cliches. They don't need drive-by advice from people who don't understand what it really means to lay it at the altar or to nail it to the cross or to read your Bible more or pray more. They need people to be in relationship with them. Someone like me needed someone like my friend Kirk Bain at Discovery Church who said, I- I'm not going to give you drive-by advice. I-, I may shake you by your shoulders at times, but the biggest thing I'm going to do for you is I'm going to love you. And I'm going to show you Christ's love, God's love, a father's love for you changed my life. That man in that relationship helped me to realize more about God than I ever learned about him before. And I grew up in the church. So that's step one is develop a relationship and really decide as a church or as a Sunday school class or as a fellowship group or whatever, that you're going to make a difference in someone's life through that relationship, that it's it's going to be your problem too. It's not going to be just that guy or that girl's problem with um, homosexuality or lesbianism. It's going to be your problem too. Them finding freedom is your responsibility as well. doesn't mean that they're not responsible for their own choices, but we've got to be responsible together to help people who are struggling, to create an atmosphere um, that lends itself to people coming forward and saying, I'm one step away from a homosexual affair, or I'm in a homosexual affair, or I'm one step away from giving up this God stuff to leave for gay life. That We've got to create that kind of atmosphere. And I think it's the all that's necessary to resolve and deal with the sexual sin issue in our world is is resident in the church if the church only realized it. We, we've got a lot that we can offer to people, and I think that's where we start. Develop a relationship, create an atmosphere of openness, and, re- and decide that you are going to do something about it. We're talking to author Alan Chambers here on The Overflow Show today. Last question. What book that you've written other than God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door would be the next best one or two books to read that would really help us understand how to minister better? Well, that's my first book, God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door. I'm currently writing my second book that's due out next July called Leaving Homosexuality. And it is what I've done over the course of the last 18 years to get free and to stay free. It's just a practical guide. So that's something that I would definitely recommend when it comes out. Um, there are other incredible books out there by friends of mine that are just tremendous on this this topic. Uh, the 101 Most Frequently Asked Questions About Homosexuality by Mike Haley, also by Harvest House. Joe Dallas wrote a, an incredible book called Desires and Conflict, which is, is for men on the issue, also by Harvest House. Uh, my friend Ann Polk wrote Restoring Feminine Identity for Women Who Are Dealing With These Issues. There are tons of great books. You can go to exodusbooks.org, and those are the best books on this topic from every perspective, no matter who you are or or where you're coming from, that will help you um, understand and and find uh, God's heart on this issue. Thanks, Alan Chambers, author of God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door, for helping us learn to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ better. My pleasure. Now, to hear more ideas on this topic, you can catch two of our other podcasts. They're each five minutes long at our website, overflowtoday.com. 
Well, that's all for this slightly longer edition of Overflow. I'm Joseph Hanford. Now, all our podcasts and the small group discussion guides that go along with each show are always available for free for you at our website, overflowtoday.com. Well, thanks for letting us explore once again ways that your walk with Christ can overflow into the lives of your non-Christian friends. Now go pour into someone's life.